Hello and welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast, Justin Bedford alongside Noah Russo. How are you doing this week, Noah? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. I mean, it's it's been a great week for 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 hockey as a hockey fan this week with everything going on. Um, it, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, t- it definitely ton- has. Yeah, like we had the the draft uh, going on. Uh, earlier this week, we had free agency open today. Um, lots of stuff going on. Lots of movement from around the league. Um, and just, you know, a, a bunch of moves. A lot of moves have been really perplexing to me f- from certain teams. Where it's yeah. just, you know, and, and a lot of teams trying to move out money. And uh, a very different, I'd say, free agency today. Um, which we will uh, we'll get into that later, but we'll start off here uh, talking about the NHL draft. Um, obviously, Florida holding the 12th overall pick, and they select uh, Anton Lindell, center from Finland. Um, what are your thoughts on this pick? Man, we, we talked about this last week. It was like, if he drops, 100% we'd pick him. And somehow he dropped. And uh, that was such a no-brainer pick. I'm, ex- I'm ecstatic from a Florida perspective. I think that's one of the best picks in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I expected like there was a decent chance he would be there just because you know he was kind of ranked on the fringe of that top ten area. So I was like, you know, if picking at twelve, there's a good chance he might be there. Um, yeah, just I, I think a really solid pick for the Panthers. Um, it's one of those picks where, like, you, you think he might be there, um, and, and you know, like, that's the guy you have to take if he's there. Exactly. And and you talk about Anton Lindell, uh, for people who don't know uh, too much about him, uh, he's a big two-way center, currently playing for uh, HIFK in uh, Liga. Uh, he's one of the older players in the draft. He had a really good year last year. Um, a two-way type of guy very similar uh, to uh, Alexander Barkov in that regard. Um, so with that in mind, I think he's a terrific fit uh, in this organization. Uh, having Barkov as a guy to look up and kind of mentor him to bring his game along. Um, I think this is just a fantastic addition for the Panthers. Yeah, it just makes sense. Um, and, and obviously – Bill Zito stays true to the best player available type of philosophy in the draft. Um, definitely. I, I could, you couldn't have asked for a better pick, I think, at 12. Yeah, and you talk best player available, and it just works out perfectly that the best player available happens to fit 
one of Florida's major needs, which is, you know, a top six center. And you look at Lundell's production in Liga and you think, you know, this guy, you know, the points are there, you know, uh, the two-way play is there. He's a very mature player. So why is he ranked lower than some of the other guys ahead of him? And part of that is, you know, just being a deep draft class. But uh, the other thing was that people, you know, there was concerns around his offensive production moving forward that he didn't have, you know, the same uh, high-end ceiling that some of the other guys did in that range. Uh, to me, you know, I think that's just kind of blown out of proportion a bit. Yeah, definitely. I think that's an instance where people might be associating production um, with dynamism and, you know, dynamic ability. Like Anton Liddell is not a dynamic player by any means. Of course, he's got some skill. He's got a very good shot. Um, but he's not a guy who's going to go, you know, and then coast to coast and dance through defenders. He's going to get his points by being in the right spots and making the right plays. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in that regard, it doesn't really matter how you do it. Um, if he can get the job done, and I think he can, then this is, like you said, just a home run pick. Yeah, and he, you got to remember, he's a year older than everyone else, basically. He's a two thousand. He's a late 2001 birthday. Um, I think October. I could be wrong on that. But um, it was – you're picking a guy that's a little older. Um, I, obviously, he's a little more mature. And I think his production in Liga has been – I mean, you can't really ask for anything more from a 19-year-old. And I, he's massive. He's huge. Yeah, he, like, he's a guy who's very physically close to his ceiling. Exactly. Uh, in that regard he's he's like the he he's the complete opposite of heponiemi yeah and like with that maturity like you look at this florida panthers team and i don't think you know you, you can't really say they're you know a top contending team right but with the contracts they have and huberto and barkov you know it's fair to say that this is kind of the team's best chance to win as well. Those guys are on team-friendly deals. So to get a really good prospect that is probably going to get to the next level uh, a little bit sooner than some other guys, um, I think is really important for this team. Yeah, and I think in, in like the past, I'd say five or six years, you really you teams have really started to value how much benefit having an ELC on the cap brings. Um, I mean, we've seen players that have been able to just produce at a, such a high level that are still on entry-level contracts, and teams are really trying to take full advantage of that while they can. Yeah, like, you don't have to look far. Like, you look at Tampa Bay, you know, the, the Stanley Cup champions, and two big pieces for them were Anthony Sorelli and Mikhail Sergachev, both on ELC deals. And, yeah, and I mean, if we look on the uh, in the Western Conference, uh, Vancouver, Elias Pettersson, you know, it's Quinn Hughes, Quinn Hughes, um, just extremely beneficial for teams, um, and it, it you want to maximize kind of that time that you have the player 
contract. And yeah, I, I think with Lindell, we, we can really see a lot of benefit there. Yeah. Very, very excited about this player. Um, I, I, I think this is an absolute home run pick for this team. Um, just before we move on to talking about uh, the Panthers picks from day two, uh, what were some of the big surprise picks for you on day one uh, at the draft? Um, straight in the first round, um, uh, Ottawa at five. Didn't expect them to go to the the, the Jamie Dry uh, not Jamie Dry, uh, Jake, Jake Sanderson. Sanderson route. Sorry, because uh, Drysaddle went uh, Drysaddle Drysdale went one pick later um, to Anaheim. Um, I did not expect Sanderson to go before Drysdale. Did yeah. not see that coming at all. Yeah, there's been all the talk about it where like Sanderson has gained a lot of steam leading up to the draft where you're thinking that there, you know, there is a chance he goes before uh, Drysdale. To me, Drysdale, unquestionably the best defender in, in this draft. Um, yeah. Over Sanderson. And even putting that aside, I think you look at the Ottawa Senators and the group that they have, uh, their prospects and things like that. Um, you know, as good a player as Drysdale and Sanderson are, I think that it was more necessary to continue to add to their offense. Because you look, you know, on defense, they have Brandstrom, they have Shabbat, they have Lassie Thompson, they have Bernard Docker, they have Johnny uh, Tchaikovsky or Tchonik. So there's a lot of, you know, pretty decent prospects there. But you look at their forward group, and of course, you know, you have Brady Kachuk and, and a couple other guys, but there's not a ton of really top level guys like. You know, Josh Norris to me is not going to be, you know, a 60, 70 point guy. I don't think Colin White is either. Yeah. Um, they could have grabbed another game breaker there. I think they, they should have gone that route. Yeah. And I was looking, um, I was looking at uh, our, our uh, correspondent, Jacob Barker's uh, kind of predictions for the lines and combinations for the Senators this upcoming season. And your first line, of course, is Stutzel, uh, Kachuk, and then Batherson, which I don't really see Batherson as a first-line player like at all. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he didn't really slot in there, that that was just uh, Jacob's um, best, best wishes. Um, and then Josh Norris at 2C. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if uh, – the, those younger guys can actually like take on more responsibility like that. Yeah. And I mean, in a draft like this, you know, with so many good forwards, it seems, you know, a, a bit interesting to, to pass on, on one of those guys to get, get a defenseman. Um, one of the other big surprises for me, and I think surprised a lot of people in, in, in this first round was uh, Jack Quinn going ahead of teammate Marco Rossi. Uh, to the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, not something. To be honest, I... nothing that the Sabres can do will actually surprise me anymore, I think. Um, but that was definitely, I mean, especially considering the offseason that Marco Rossi's been having, that guy's been just working out like crazy. He's, it's nuts. Um, no way did I think that was going to happen. Yeah, like you talk about Marco Rossi as a guy, and yes, he is undersized, right? There's nothing he can do about that. But everything else about him, from his skill, from the way he thinks the game, his dedication 
off the ice, how disciplined he is, how hard he works, everything about him. Like I just, other than the size, which is nothing you can control and really isn't that much of a factor. Like I don't see a weakness with that player. And so to watch, you know, the Ottawa 67s all year, you're seeing him, you're seeing Jack Quinn and to go and take Jack Quinn ahead of him. To me, I just think is wrong. And it's not like it's a knock against Jack Quinn. Jack Quinn's a great player too. But to me, Marco Rossi is something special. Like Marco Rossi has a chance to be one of the best players in this draft class. I, 100%. It's truly a baffling pick. Um, uh, and you, you look at the Sabres depth chart in terms of centers, and you can't really argue that they don't need any. I think quite, they, in the, uh, quite on the contrary. Yeah, Sabres, you take best player available. <laughs> and um, it, it, It's true. It doesn't make much sense. But that being said, Minnesota gets away with a steal right there yeah. at nine, picking him. Yeah. Well, it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, I think, t- 2015, when uh, it was the year Boston had three first-round picks, right? And yeah, they didn't do great in that. No, but one of those picks, they take Jacobs Boro. Who played yeah. on a pair? Who played on a pair with Thomas Shabbat? So it's clearly a situation where you've watched a team a bunch of times, and you've come away with the conclusion that this guy, not the other guy, is the better player. Yeah. It, but th- that being said, like nothing that Buffalo can do can really surprise me at this point. It's just it, it doesn't make sense, but. It's not surprising. It's Buffalo's so flawed in so many ways. Yeah, and it's just it's awesome having them in the division. Takes a lot of heat off the Panthers. One hundred percent. Really fantastic. Keep it up, Buffalo. Um, one of the other no, pick. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say another pick that I, I I really liked and maybe didn't see coming for some reason. Um, although hindsight twenty twenty, it makes perfect sense. Is Yaroslav Askarov to Nashville at eleven? Um. Great pick. Yeah. Like, if if Askarov really is as good as everybody says he is, like, that's a fantastic pick because you look at Nashville and he, he could be their next kind of guy who slots in when Pecorino is gone. Yeah, like, I, I did my rankings in my mock draft. I, I tossed it out on Twitter uh, just before the draft began. I actually had Askarov going at five to Ottawa. With the the reason being, and I want to explain it because I know I'm sure people will think that's quite high, and it is. But if you're taking Arslav Askarov in the first round, it's because you believe this is a franchise altering goalie, and having like a, a guy like that is tremendously important to the success of a team. You know, you know, like you see a lot of goalies that are kind of up and down. To get a guy that you can depend on, like what we've seen from Andre Vasilevsky in Tampa Bay. Um, I think it's hugely important. And so I think if if you think he's a franchise goalie, then I think, and you're looking at the draft, like I think a franchise goalie is more important than a first-line winger or a second-line center and a guy like that. And you look at the fourth. But, but right now, right now it makes so much sense. Oh, yeah. That they wouldn't pick him at, at five. So, But I really thought that Minnesota w- was a good destination for him at nine. And I would imagine he would have been had Marco Rossi not been there. 
because they're a yeah. team where it's like you look at Minnesota and it's like this is almost too obvious. They need a they need a center and they need a goalie. Yeah, and you know if Marco Rossi was there and there, you know, it becomes Askarov versus Lindell. I think yeah, they probably go Askarov. But when Marco Rossi's there, you know, I think they made the right call. Well, one hundred percent. Um, it's yeah, uh, gr- great pick. Um, and then of course, like in the first round, there was also the the Columbus pick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who? <laughs> there, there's going off the board, and then there's that. Yeah, like I, I do like a pretty thorough amount of draft work, I think. And I usually get, you know, a, a pretty good sense of the top 100 guys and, you know, where you think uh, things, you know, players might go. I honestly, like, never heard of this guy. Like, not even on my radar at all. Yeah, and, and I, just as an indicator of that, I, I'm sure you saw this. I, I was watching on NBC, so I didn't get this. And I, I was in class, actually. So I, I wasn't – I was only listening to the actual pick. I wasn't listening to the analysis. But I saw afterwards on Sportsnet, they literally had no idea what was going on. Yeah. They were so lost. Yeah. And like, we've seen it in the past where teams go off the board in the first round. Like I think the, the Panthers did that a bit with Borgstrom. Um, the Flames did it when they took Jankowski. Like there's a couple examples of that. I don't remember a team going that off the board. Man, like no one knew this guy. No. Like, I, I I do I do respect though that, that Columbus came out and said we had him in our top ten. I respect yes, that and down on it. In in the the way that Cucklinen uh, announced the pick, you could tell that he knew something that everyone else didn't. He was he had this confidence in him that just spoke so much. Um, yeah, no, he, but definitely he, he, just like was not expecting that. And I think it also just kind of illustrates one of the other big important factors in this draft was that a lot of guys right now, the Europeans are, are playing right now in Europe. And, you know, uh, Chinnikov, or, uh, he's had a really good start to the year. And, yeah. and, and you see it too with uh, Shakir Mukhamadou and going in the first round. Like that recency bias, it appeared to come into play a couple of times um, without a doubt. And so I think that was a really good example of maybe that. But we'll, we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on him and see how it progresses. Maybe it's a brilliant pick, um, and we just don't know it yet, but way off the board. Way off, definitely. Um, that, that was definitely the, the, the most surprising pick of that draft. But yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you know, obviously there were some guys that went a bit higher and guys that fell, but nothing that drastic. Um, which, which brings me to uh, – we'll, we'll talk Panthers picks now. And we'll talk about their second pick of the draft, 43rd overall. And they get Emil Heinemann, um, who I'm sure maybe not the most well-known prospect. It's a guy I really liked. Um, had him going a bit later. But he plays a really good 200-foot game. Uh, he's a winger. He scores goals. Um, you know, he, he plays with a bit of an edge. I think the one area that really will determine his success and whether he makes it will be his skating. Yeah, 100%. Um, the, it was a good pick, in my opinion. It, was, it wasn't bad or anything, but there's definitely uh, – he's going to have to definitely own up in accountability to that. Yeah. 
So we'll, we'll keep an eye on him. I, I think it's a really great pick. We'll have to see how it pans out. Um, but again, re- really solid work there. And then third round, who I think I think this is a very interesting pick for the Florida Panthers. They took Ty Smolanik from the USNTDP, who I think was one of the bigger wild cards in the draft. Uh, he's dealt with uh, a ton of injuries this year. I believe he had mono. Um, and you could tell that a lot of times when he was playing, uh, he was playing, you know, hurt. Uh, and things like that. And some of his other bodies of work, he does project to be, I think, a really solid kind of middle six two-way winger if he can reach his potential. Yeah, that's uh, the injury factor is always so important. Um, and, and I think that's why in the first round we saw Hendricks up here drop so much is – um, just teams teams are wary of that um, it's definitely a gutsy pick I, I think if I had to pick that'd be my least favorite pick of the draft from a Florida perspective j- just because of the, the huge injury factor that goes with it um, but you want to know what the USNDTP has like they've had some really good good players go and uh, it it has a tremendous upside at the same time. So yeah, like to, we'll, to we'll me, see. to me, I, I like this pick just because you know you talk about in, injuries and uh, referencing Hendricks Lapier. Hendricks Lapier, his injuries were you know concussion, spine related. Those are kind of things that can come back. You look at Smolanik, of course, he did have some. Uh, you know, some injuries here or there, high ankle sprain, broken hand. Um, but he had that big bout with Mono too, and Mono is not really like a career altering injury. It's just something that might slow your development a bit. <laughs> and we've seen guys in the past, like there's been actually quite a few examples of guys who get Mono in their draft year and drop a pretty decent amount because because of it. Like we saw it with Timothy Liljegren to Toronto. Um we saw it with Oliver Shillington to Calgary. Uh, both of those guys look on pace to beat at least NHL players. Mm-hmm. H- how good, we don't know. But to me, I think there's a, a lot of upside with this pick. And then with the downside, at the end of the day, it is just, you know, it's a third-round pick. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. So I like the gamble there by uh, Bill Zito in the scouting department. Um. But the Panthers, they also had another third rounder, uh, 87th overall, and they took Justin Sourdiff, uh from the WHL, uh, playing there for the Vancouver Giants, just over a point per game. Um, what do you know about this guy? What do you like about his game? Um, not going to lie. I don't really know much about him. Um, excited to see what he has to bring. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. I never put a lot of stock in third rounders, you know? After the second round, there's a lot less pressure on the guys. So I'm excited. And it, it, it kind of like pressure shifts from, shifts from the team to the player, I think. Um, it, it's, it's really going to be up to him to, to see what he has to offer. Um, but I, I've always been a fan of drafting Canadian guys from, or at least guys who play in, in the CHL. Um, I always like that. Um, 
uh, on draft night, my dad had a pretty, uh, pretty hot take saying that teams should never draft college players or uh, European players. So that sounds um, like a Barksy take. That sounds like a Barksy take. Um, and I'm, I'm not making this up. He, he really texted me this. Um, but if we go based off of that, it's a good pick. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's very true. And I think, like, the, the Smolenic and the Sourdiff picks, kind of the main takeaway, regardless of the types of player they are, um, you know, and what, however they pan out, I think kind of represent the real philosophy of this scouting department and this GM moving forward, which is um, the guys that followed after Sourdiff, they took uh, Michael Benning, who's a terrific defenseman uh, from the AJHL, very small, um, not a top-end league, but phenomenal numbers there. Um, they also got late. They got Casper uh, Pudio. They got Elliot Eckmark. And I think this kind of trend is guys who, um, A, play really good 200-foot games, are competent at both ends of the ice, and guys that are really raw but have physical tools. So guys that will probably need longer to develop but might represent really good value where they're taken. Right. And so I'm excited to see that play out. Um, in particular, I really did like the Michael Benning pick um, just because I love love what that kid can do. Um, but again, like the other guys, very raw, definitely needs to, to you know, get a bit bigger. I yeah. believe he's only five foot ten. He's a right shot defenseman. Um, but you can definitely tell from if you watch any of uh, his footage from the AJHL last year. He thinks the game at a very high level. He moves the puck very efficiently. And I think you're looking at a guy who can be, I, I legitimately think he can be a top four defenseman in the NHL, maybe a second power play unit type guy and a guy who plays that modern style of game. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, and I know uh, some people, uh, our friend Anthony who's on the podcast are like, Devin Levi, uh, 202nd overall, a goalie, um, to create some competition in the crease there. Um, I, thoughts thoughts on that? I, I'm not sure about the uh, how many goalies uh, the Panthers have on the depth chart, but I saw a few teams. Like it really speaks to you can never have enough goalies. I, I've teams I were coming out of this draft having like eight or nine goalies in their depth chart. Which really, I think Detroit was one of them. Um, kind of puzzling, but like, if you think that's what you, you need a goalie every draft, then then so be it. Um, we'll we'll see. Only time will tell with that. Uh, but it it's definitely at that point you can afford to just kind of throw your throw away your pick on a goalie, because I I think the the odds of getting uh, really a player who's actually going to break through at that point is, I, I think is like, I mean, fourth round, uh, seventh round is like five, three or 5%. Yeah. The, the Munich comes to taking like goalies late, like, you know, there'll, there'll be some people that say, well, why did, why the, even though, you know, it's, it's a seventh round pick, why take a goalie when you have Sergei Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight? And to me, it's, you know, as good a prospect as Spencer Knight and as, you know, large a contract as Sergey Bobrovsky has, has, there are no guarantees at the goaltending position, right? Like, mm-hmm. until you can prove 
you're an elite level goalie or, you know, a competent goalie for a consistent period of time, then there's always going to be that, you know, what if, you know, the play fall, your play falls off. And yeah. you see that with a lot of goalies, a lot of goalies are very up and down year to year. Um, a lot of highly touted goalie prospects don't end up making it. Of course, we don't hope that's the case with Spencer Knight. But to me, it's just another body in there. Um, another guy, maybe pans, maybe he doesn't. But I have no issues with them taking a goalie. Um, and, and Devin Levi seems like a, a, a fine goalie. He's got, you know, he didn't play in a great league, doesn't have great size. Um but does a lot of other things really well. I mean, then again, our, our guy, Chris Drieger doesn't have great size either. And he, he's been doing fine. Um, and especially considering uh, the, 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 the Panthers did decide to qualify Sam Montabo, which I think we could all expect, but it, you know, they, they, they have goalies in the mix. Right. And it's, it's as a young goalie, it's going to be hard to pierce that uh, core. Because I don't think Bobrovsky's going anywhere. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it is just good to have, you know, competition at every spot. You know, you don't want to have a prospect just walk in and expect that they're going to be your starting goalie or your, your top line center. You want them to earn it. And, and you want them to have to work for it. So um, a, a fine pick there. Overall, I, I really like what the Panthers did at the draft. Yeah, it was a... Definitely above average, I think, of, of teams. Um, I liked it. Good good first draft for Bill Zito, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's really solid. I think he got really great value on a, on a few picks there. Um, a, a couple interesting guys. We'll obviously follow them closely um, as, you know, they begin to start playing again, uh, these guys. But, yeah, just all, all, all positive signs on that front. 100 percent um and with that we'll now move on to talking about uh free agent frenzy which opened up today um and but we'll start off actually with uh with a trade trades yeah yeah we'll we'll start off with a a couple of trades um most notable one getting marcus nudavara from columbus uh for cliff poo what do you think about this one I thought that was a good trade. Um, I, I, I didn't, I can't really see. I, it's hard to tell what the future holds for Cliff Poo, to be honest. Um, I think he's 21 now. I, I don't think he'll end up being, you know, exactly. a regular NHLer. Exactly. And Marcus Nudavara is a regular NHLer. He is, you know, I guess there, you know, there's the opinion that people think he's maybe a bit overpaid. But even if he is, it's not by much. His contract, I believe, is two point seven. Yeah. So and you're not. The risk is not high on this. And, and Bill Zito obviously knew that uh, Columbus had to get out of uh, cap troubles, especially after signing Domi. Um, they they need the they need the cap space, especially to sign PLD. Um, and I I really think that Florida wins this trade on a like talent basis um the, the the only the only argument that you can make for columbus winning the trade is that they got rid of some cap yeah that, that, that's really that's really all it is um i think that bill zito obviously knows uh nudavara and know, knows what he can expect from him and so for me that's a great trade 
yeah to me this is you know um this is this is bill zito you know taking advantage of columbus's calf situation and getting a guy who he has familiarity with which was a big trend that we saw today in free agent frenzy was a lot of gms getting guys that they know and have had some you know sort of connection to yeah and i mean just to speak to that um Paul Stashny going back to Winnipeg, I think is a great example of that. Um, he fits the need for them and he bails Vegas out of cap troubles, basically. Yeah. Which I mean And they uh, get and they get Carl Dahlstrom in, in return, who's not like a terrible prospect. Or uh, he's not terrible, he's just kind of around. Exactly. That's exactly how I how I how I'd put it, but ability to play in the NHL. That's what I'd say. Uh, I'd care. Yeah, I think that, I think that's an NHL player. Yeah, and I think Paul Stastny, of course, that contract is a bit rich uh, for Vegas with what they're maybe trying to do, and for for Winnipeg, you had a nice second line center, which is what they needed. So that's that's a nice win win for both teams. Um, one of the other interesting moves today, not really a trade, but um, a move that caught a lot of attention on on social media, was Tyler Johnson being placed on waivers, not for the purpose of a, purpose of a buyout put on waivers what do you think of this i mean it surprises me that tampa bay wasn't able to find a deal because i i think johnson came up with a list of what eight teams was it something like that um that he he was ready to get traded to um obviously they weren't able to work out a trade which is kind of surprising um my guess is the, the the huge factor here is three more years at five million. Yeah, it, it, it's a bit rich of a contract. It's a lot of money. In that, that's exactly what it is. Um, that being said, it wouldn't surprise me if he cleared waivers. Like, I, I I think I, I think he's going to get claimed. He should. Like I would claim him. Like especially me, if I'm a team like Ottawa. Yeah, like to me, for, for me, I was a bit puzzled, right, at first, just because it's very strange to see, you know, a guy like that, a well-known guy, and sure, he is, you know, a, a big contract in Tampa's got to sign some guys. But it was pretty shocking to see him hit waivers when a lot of guys that have been cap dumps have been moved for, you know, fifth-round picks. My belief is that what's going on here is a situation where Tyler Johnson, he's got his no-trade list, and – you know, he has his list of eight teams and maybe, you know, T- Tampa can't find a deal with those teams, but there's no, team. and obviously you'd expect one of the teams to cl- the, 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 the team that hypothetically claims him not to have been on that list of eight teams. Yeah. So let's say, yeah, just, yeah. So yeah, first I thought it was a bit puzzling the more. I thought about it and thought about how it could potentially work out. I thought this might be quite brilliant, which isn't that you have Tyler Johnson who says I'm only willing to go to these eight teams. And Julian Breezebois calls up those eight teams and they all say, no, thanks. And then they hang up and then Julian Breezebois goes, okay, I'm going to put him on waivers. He goes on waivers and then gets picked up by a team that wanted him in a trade, but couldn't get him because they weren't on the list. And let's just, for whatever sake, let's just say it's Detroit. So in this situation, 
which wouldn't be surprising because Iserman. Yeah. So if if he, it's it's basically a brilliant way of circumventing his no trade clause because it's a no trade clause, not an a move clause. Exactly. So if you're Julian Brisbane, you're talking to Stevie Y, and Steve Eiserman says, I, "I want Tyler Johnson," and Julian says, "Well, Tyler won't go. He won't waive." And he says, "All right. Well, here's what we're gonna do. You're gonna send him down through waivers. We're gonna put in a waiver claim. We're the worst team in the league by far." So we'll put in a claim. We'll get him. No questions asked. And for that, then I think we just, might. Just remember that. Remember that in the future. Or even you might see maybe even a little cap come back to Tampa or a pick or there's another trade worked out between Tampa. And so it ends up being a nifty way to kind of go around all that. We'll see if that happens. Who knows? It could have just been put them on waivers and hope someone claims them. Yeah. But very interesting piece of news that came out today because usually you see guys get put on waivers and it's either purpose of buyout where you don't expect anyone to claim him or you you're trying to send a guy down to the ahl because simply put he's not nhl caliber and it's really neither of those situations for Tyler Johnson, because let's say hypothetically he does clear. What happens then? Then he's just in the NHL. Exactly. But he's clearly an an, an NHL player. Yeah. And it's happened in the past where, and these guys have always fallen off a bit more, but like Andrew Ladd being in the minors, where it's like Andrew Ladd is probably, he's not great, but he could be a fourth line guy, let's say. But it, it's. And I mil- think he played in the playoffs for the Islanders. Yeah, which was nice to see. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, other stuff going on. There was the Oliver ekman Larson deadline for a trade, which came and went. So it appears as though he will be staying in uh, Arizona, um, which is another interesting situation to follow because that's a team that will be looking to clear out cap, and it doesn't look like he'll be a part of that. So. Other pieces potentially on the move for them. We'll follow that closely. Uh, and, and see they, what they, they had there. the they had the Tyler Pitlick uh, signing, so I think they're they're at about one point four million in cap space, something like that. Yeah, and I'm sure they'd love to be, you know, love to got some money if they can. Yeah. Um, because you know who wouldn't? Um, were you surprised at all to see how um, active the Florida Panthers were today in free agency? in a free agency class where you know, there's a couple of top end guys. And then it's a lot of kind of middle nine type players and, you know, four, five, six type D man. So Where if you... I, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, um, it's three, three players that the, the, the Panthers signed today. Three players. Um, the yeah. first one being Rad Kogudis. Uh, then then uh, Wenberg, and then they signed someone else to, I think, a two-way contract. I believe, or no, it was the Flames a, guy. They signed a, a one-way contract with Lomberg. Okay. Um, but the Gudis deal, obviously, being the most prominent one, would you I, do one? I thought it was a great deal, honestly. I like the Gudis signing. I don't like Gudis as a player because I he always seems to beat up the players I like. Um, but... Seems good to have him on our team. And really what it's going to come down to is he's a very capable D who can be on a second pairing, I think. 
but he has this nasty ability to oh sorry take um, penalties we also forgot to mention the carter Vera he's signing two years oh yeah year. that's right that was i think that was the second or third um yeah so four so four moves four. today yeah um radko gudis obviously being the biggest deal uh for, for the florida panthers today um to me you know based on the market like 2.7 is not a ton of money it's also not a bargain either and you look at radko gudis and what he brings to the table as a player and i i, I think you get a very a player that the panthers can utilize very effectively because exactly his big deficiencies is five on five play and defending the slot which is not ideal for the panthers a team that also doesn't defend the slot well you know at the best of times Mm -hmm. um but you know in a second or third pairing role he's not going to see a ton of ice time so hopefully it's not exposed that much and then he's a he's a very effective penalty killer gets in lanes good stick and he does take a lot of penalties too but but he plays with that edge and i think what that kind of speaks to is trying to make the Florida Panthers a tougher team to play against. One hundred percent. I think that's that's huge. Um, and because he's basically brought in for toughness. Yeah, he's like not I, brought in to score goals or assists or any type of points, and he's certainly not there to defend well, because we we all know that he can't really do that. He's really there just to bring a toughness element to the Panthers blue line, which they were most likely lacking. Yeah. So I, I think if, yeah, if you compare him with the right guy and shelter his minutes um, and, and still, yeah, 2.7 is a lot to play on third pairing, but this, this can be a very useful player to this team. And like you go back to last year and there were so many times where they're going up against teams that are, you know, bigger and stronger and faster and have maybe a bit more skill. And like the Panthers last year, it seemed like they just tried to, outscore and outskill teams which works sometimes really well um but but not always and you want to be a team that is going to be hard to play against that's going to wear you down i think radko gudis gives you that kind of element um with this deal though um one of the interesting things was that um a lot of reports coming out that um uh, mckenzie Weger could be on the move I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be against it. Um, and I, I love the um, uh, Alex Wenberg uh, signing. I, I think that's terrific for, for Florida. Um, not expensive at all. Uh, just a year, I think. Just makes sense. Yeah, I, I, love, I love this Wenberg signing um, quite a bit. Just because, A... He fills a need, which is, you know, down the middle, in the middle six kind of area. Um, it's a guy who's v- relatively young. It's a guy who is coming off a couple of down seasons, but has shown really good flashes. It's a guy who's, I would use the term, I use this term for a lot of players. He's kind of a Swiss Army knife type player where you can just kind of do a bit of anything and you can throw him out in a lot of different situations. And, mm-hmm. I, and again, this is another case where, Bill Zito has familiarity with the player, so he knows exactly what he's going to be getting. Exactly. So with that in mind, I got to, you know, based on, you know, what Bill Zito's already done, I think I got, you got to trust um, the vision that he has and that he knows what he's getting in, in Alexander Wenberg. And I think he's going to be a really great fit here. 
100%. And I mean, I think those were the two influential picks or not picks, but uh, pickups. Carter Verhage and um, whoever the other guy is, I, I honestly, um, his Ryan name Lomberg. is Escape. Yeah. Ryan Lomberg, Lomberg who, who will most likely be in the AHL. Exactly. Um, those, those are just like very deep signings in the sense that they're not going to make an impact on the team, I don't think, whatsoever. Let's see what Verhage is capable of. Um, Ver- Verhage showed pretty well in limited you know, ice time and uh, usage in Tampa Bay. I think there is – I think that's a really low-risk signing that, you know, has the potential um, to really work out for this team, and he could very well be um, a really cost-efficient player uh, in the Panthers' bottom six. Um, so, I, so I really like that signing. Um, as a whole, I really like what, what Bill Zito's done and not committing too much money and kind of trying to reshape the identity of this team to be tougher to play against with guys like uh, Gudis and with Hornquist up front as well. Yeah, um, I really like the direction that he's he's taking for the Panthers right now. Yeah, with that said too, though, I'll be very disappointed if they trade Mackenzie Weger. Mackenzie Weger is a phenomenal player. Um, who? Yeah, think, it depends what the return is, I think. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing too, is like Ford's big weakness though has been their defense in the last couple mm-hmm. of years. And this is a guy there who does a lot of the things you want your defenseman to do. Um, and he's young and he's mobile and he's got size and they're just, he just checks so many boxes that I think they'd have a tough time replacing that. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, if you can get a guy that's cost efficient and can help you in your top six, obviously, you know, make a move. I trust that. Yeah. But, um, and, unless it's, you know, something that moves the needle in other areas, I, I don't see a situation where trading Mackenzie Weger overall helps benefit this team. Yeah, I, uh, we'll see what the return is. And I mean, and you, you never know. Um, Weger does have a decent um, cap hit, if I remember correctly. I don't remember the exact number. Um, but, oh, he's RFA. That's right. Yeah, so, so he, it's what he's asking for. That's. Yeah, it it depends. It, 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 and he's a year away from UFA status or two. Yeah. So we'll, that's going to be really interesting. Um, and remember, uh, Florida still has like $12 million in cap space. Yeah, whether, whether they choose to use it, who knows. But it is there if they need it. And Taylor Hall could be a great addition. I've always said Taylor Hall would just – he just seems to fit South Florida, you know? Like, yeah. I, I think he'd just have a great time. You know, he's down there. Maybe he's on Fort Lauderdale, Pompano Beach. He's up in Boca. He's going to Mississippi Suites getting some ribs. I think he'd just love it. <laughs> Taylor, if you're listening, and I know you aren't, please come to Florida. It's a great time. You watch, though, now. like we'll, we'll, No pressure. Like, we're recording this Friday uploading it Monday. Like by the time this is uploaded, he will sign like Tampa Bay and it'll be our worst nightmare. He'll sign Man. like league minimum in Tampa Bay. And yeah. We'll, for, yeah. We'll, oh, but God. Worst yeah. case scenario. Yeah. That's worst case scenario. Although what I really, really want to see, and I doubt will actually have 
happen. And we talked about this for Petrangelo. Colorado to go out, give two years to either Hall or Petrangelo, pay them way, way over market value, but just for two years. And I think that could be like just so cool to, to see. Yeah. And like, like you look at what happened today, like not a lot of big guys went today. There's still a lot of big names out there. And that, that's but, all that's all because of the interview period getting uh, waived. And of course, because, yeah, you know, if you want me to commit, you know, six years and eight million to Taylor Hall, I'd like to, you know, at least talk to the guy a bit more first. Yeah. As opposed to throwing like, you know, 900,000 like Patty Maroon. It's like. And and from okay, his perspective, like, from from uh, from Hall's perspective, he certainly wants time to evaluate the seven different offers he's going to receive. Yeah, which yeah, so it's yeah, a lot of the guy, big guys today didn't sign. It was mostly uh, the kind of bottom tier of, of free agents, where you know they're they're going to fill out the fringes of a roster, but the top and the middle are still available because everyone's kind of waiting to see where those top guys, Hall, Petrangelo, Krug, Hoffman, Dadanov go, and then everything else will follow from there. Um, exactly. Um, and we actually saw goalies get signed today, though. Yeah, we saw goalies, a lot of goalies get signed today. Um, um, great great prices for at least Braden Holtby, I thought was a fantastic signing by Vancouver. I thought, I thought you know, it, it was always, obviously had, you know, uh, had a down year last year. I expect him to to bounce back. Um, great for him. He gets to live in the Pacific Northwest, one of the most beautiful regions on the planet, um, <laughs> which is just an, an added bonus anyways. That's probably worth a million off the contract there. Um, I, I think it's a very fair deal. I think it's one that um, allows Vancouver a bit of flexibility still. They'll have some stuff to figure out. Um, but, you know, I have no issues with it there. Um and the then obviously Markstrom getting the six by six in Calgary, which it's a lot. It's a long term. Yeah, I that, was I was very surprised for the the AAV to be that high when they're going that long. Yeah, because yeah. you saw the day. Um, other than Markstrom, no other deal was more than three years long, and I think with the the landscape of the league right now, um, you know I, I'm okay giving a guy seven or eight years, but I'd want to knock a bit more off that AAV. And I don't think that was the case there. Yeah. It's, um, but it's definitely a contrast with goalies like Carey Price and our Sergei Bobrovsky. Very true. Very true. Um, so and, really and when you compare, when you compare it to those contracts, it seems like a bargain, but it's, it, it definitely agree with you that that's a high AAV for that long. Yeah, and, and it puts him in that category of, you know, if you're if you're getting paid, you know, anywhere between six million and above, it's okay, you've got to be the guy, you've got to play, you know, 50, 60 games for us and play well for, for most of them, uh, when you're making that kind of money. And which, you know, I, I think he's capable of doing at least for the first couple of years of that deal. Yeah. And, and from Cal's perspective, gets, he, uh, he gets the hump contract which we, we've seen a lot of teams opt for, where it's not front-loaded and it's not back-loaded. It's kind of like middle-loaded, where teams are, are saving money at the front, saving money at the end, but really trying to just put all the money in the middle of the contract. Put it in the middle and hope things have rebounded Yeah. Uh, by then. 
And yeah, and for the Flames, it's uh, it's really the first time they've had that bona fide number one guy since the days of Mika, Mika Kiprasov way back when. Exactly. So we, and then well, that's the thing too. You know, everyone's already you know people are looking at Marsham thinking that's a lot of money, and then Ottawa's over there saying, "Oh, you think that's a lot of money? <laughs> well, we see your six six million dollars, and we raise you six point two five for a guy who's worse. That's a massive overpay on Ottawa. Um, I have no idea. What, I have no idea what's going on there. That was. For, for for four years, too. Like, we're not talking about, like, a two-year deal. We're talking about four years. Yeah, we're talking about four years. And, like, I get it. Like, Ottawa's not even close to the cap four right now. It doesn't really matter that much now. Although it is now. shocking. To, it, it, it's still shocking to see Eugene Melnikanda that kind of money to to a goalie. But really, like, $6.25 million for this guy coming off the year that he had Matt Murray, Matt Murray's never had like a stellar regular season performance. No, it's because he, he's won two Stanley Cups. And the first one was he essentially only played in the playoffs. Yeah, he was fantastic. And the second one, he got injured. He got injured and then he came back and then took over from Flurry. Exactly. To me, it's just like it, it doesn't make much sense. It, and then you look at Brian Holtby who's also a Stanley Cup winning goalie who only gets 4.3 for two years. I thought that was a perfect price point. Um, I thought that was a great contract for Vancouver. I'm shocked that Ottawa signed Murray for that long and that that much money. Not even the term, I mean, just, just the insane. money. The money. And like like a bit, of, I, I did expect him to get maybe a bit more than maybe he deserves just because of those two Stanley Cups. And teams love to, to look at two Stanley Cups and go, oh, he's a champion. He knows how to win, you know. So it's very important to us what he did four years ago or whatever. Um, but if you really want a two-time Stanley Cup champion on your team that bad, Patrick Maroon was right there, and he's getting less than a million a year. Corey Crawford. Corey Crawford's a three to, no, two-time. Two-time Stanley Cup winning goalie. I, I don't think he was on the roster for the first one. Um, but I think he might have been. I know Niemi was in net. Niemi won that cup. Yeah, Niemi um, was in net. I don't with the know TPS if Crawford pads. was the backup or if he was like in there. Um, I think he was, but only because I think Cristobal Huey was hurt. Okay, and that could be very wrong. But no one, <laughs> don't don't take that. This as is bad. a Panthers podcast, not a Blackhawks podcast. Yeah, we really don't care about the the Blackhawks. Um, <laughs> um at all. He and basically by signing Subban, um. Chicago said there's no way we'd re-sign Crawford, and Crawford's now kind of just looking for a team. Yeah, and now like a lot of teams have found their goalies, but there's still definitely a few that are looking. Um, still a few names out there. Um, I, I wonder if, if Edmonton's inquired about Corey Crawford's services. You'd have to imagine they have. Um, obviously, they, they were in on Markstrom, too. Yeah. Um, I guess they got too, too rich for them, and they – you know, went a different route, and they got some nice pieces today too. Um, and I, I can't, I can't blame for blame Edmonton for thinking that was too rich. I mean, they they already have Koskinen signed to a, a comfortable contract. Let's just put it that way. Um, well, and I think the thinking was that if they were going to pay Jacob Markstrom to come in, it would be contingent on them having a deal to get rid of Miko Koskinen. Okay. Or. Uh, 
you know, something of that nature. Um, but overall, it, it, very different free agent frenzy than what we've seen in the past. And now it's yeah. just, we're kind of just sitting here waiting for someone to sign. Um, I imagine there'll be um, plenty of signings before uh, this comes out on Monday. And then I'm sure there'll be lots to talk about on next week's episode. Um, so we'll kind of just have to wait and see. But a lot of interest surrounding those top guys and where they go. And and the Panthers could very well be in on them too. If if they choose to be, they have the, the, the cap space to do it. Yeah. Not Maybe not, you know, they are Hall, even though, again, Taylor, you'd love it here in Florida. Um, <laughs> the fan base is great. Um, I mean, if you want to win a cup, Florida's the place to be, without a doubt. Honestly, without uh, a doubt. I mean, let's say, like, first of all, here's our pitch to Taylor Hall. Like, first of all, Taylor, you know, we got the beaches, the restaurants, the lifestyle, the great weather. That's selling point number one. You get free parking if you own a Lexus, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, very loose, very low pressure environment. Well, and here's the thing too. Let's say you're Taylor Hall, you go to you go to Colorado. A lot of pressure to win. Now you're expected to win, right? And, and you're playing you're you're playing with guys with Nathan McKinnon, uh, Rantanen, and Landeskog. So you might not even make the first line. Yeah, and like to to me, I mean. You could go chase a cup in, you know, Vegas and Colorado, yada, yada. But in Florida, you could be the guy that finally puts the Panthers over the edge to win a cup. Exactly. Yeah. And no one can – if you go to Florida, no one can say you pulled like a Kevin Durant and just joined the top team and coasted <laughs> just to get your ring. That's not how it works here with the Panthers. You got to earn it. Exactly. So and yeah, yeah, it would if and people wouldn't be saying Florida won the cup; they'd be saying Hall finally won a cup. And it would also mean you probably won a Hart Trophy and oh yeah, one hundred percent. Oh my goodness! So so BB and T Center right across from uh, Sawgrass Mills. I mean, I, like, I'm trying. I'm trying to find excuses for him not to come to Florida, and I can't come up with anything. There really is no reason. I mean, a chance to be the savior that finally brings, uh, you know, the cup to where it belongs in Southern Florida, you know, and and to to finally bring glory to this starved fan base. I mean, how many other teams can offer that? Like Colorado, when they had Joe Sackick, you know, yada, yada. They got all their guys now. That's no fun. So Taylor Hall. You want a challenge. Yeah, you want, exactly. You want a challenge. It's way more fun to win if you if you really have to to work for it, which you absolutely would have to do with this Panthers team at this point. Um, but you wouldn't be alone. You wouldn't be alone. You have Sergey Bobrovsky, who just had an off year, who's going to be Vezina caliber for six six more years, and then Alexander Barkov, Jonathan Huberto, and then on defense, Aaron Eklab, and then Keith Yandel. I mean, what more could you ask for? And when and when Barkov leaves his prime, you have another Barkov and Anton Lindell. It's like he never left. The list goes on and on. We could write a book on reasons to sign in Florida. Um, but Taylor Hall, if you're listening, or if anyone, send this to Taylor Hall. Come to South Florida. Bring Petro. Let's win a cup. Probably not going to happen. Tory Krug, too. Get Tory Krug, too. If Tory Krug, Tory Krug could be a viable option as yeah. well 
or even Petrangelo. If Petrangelo wants to come, hey, man, it's a fun time. Yeah, it's great and so forth. Everyone loves it here. So Just relax. Yeah, so UFAs, if you haven't signed, please consider Florida. Um, the, the benefits are just there, – there's so many of them. So please sign here, uh, especially so we can have something to talk about on next week's episode. That'd be great. <laughs> um, we would really appreciate it. Um, that does it for this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you to everyone tuning in, listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. We'll be back next week with a brand-new episode, and we will see you guys then. Center, Barkov looking to get a step on Mete. Barkov.